Welcome to the North Rock Church Podcast. For more great content and updates, visit northrockchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Uh, Good morning, North Rock. How are we this morning? Are we good? All right. Hey, uh, we are in our series, and we're actually uh, closing out our series that we titled Sacred Spaces. Um, and today I get the opportunity to talk to you about uh, sacred stillness, kind of that, that idea of stopping the pace of life, pressing the pause button so that we can be in tune with what God is saying to us. Amen? Do you guys believe that's an important discipline in the Christian lifestyle, right? Because without that, we just run through life and we can miss a lot of the good things that God's doing all around us. How many of you today would affirm with me that God is active in the fabric of life, in our lives and in this world, amen? And yet I have to admit that I can run so hard sometimes. I can be so busy. I can be so uh, focused on other things that God is calling us to do that I can run right by his, his still small voice sometimes. So that's what we're talking about today. Is, it's not just uh, that we should hear the voice of the Lord or that we can be still before the Lord, but we're going to take some time to do kind of an experiential uh, practice together that we can take with us to do when we're alone as well, uh, that helps us understand the how, okay? So I'm going to talk to you about some of my favorite uh, ways that, that I connect with the Lord uh, throughout the weeks, um, and I hope that, that it will be encouraging to you. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the Scriptures today. Father, we thank you for your word to us. And Lord, we do take time. We understand that as we gather together as the church, we're pressing pause in our lives to communion with you to have fellowship with one another, and to hear your voice as you lead us and guide us. Lord, we acknowledge that you order the steps of the righteous. We acknowledge that you, Lord, have vision and plans for us. And Lord, we just want to give space for that in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. What if I told you that the idea of disciplines in the Christian life is far less than it is what it would be in an academic setting or even an athletic setting? See, discipline, sometimes we can, we can connect to the hard stuff, right? But really what we're talking about in any of these sacred spaces is really just protecting the space that we know that God wants to show up and do the heavy lifting for us. <clears throat> but I also have already admitted to you that I can be overly busy. Anybody else kind of feel like, like you know, it's like when I'm at the gym and I get on the treadmill and like you're feeling good. So you bump it up, boop, 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 boop. and you're, you know, now you're, now you're really running, right? And then, boop, 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 boop. and then somewhere in the middle of that, the oxygen drops, and you start panting, and people are wondering if you're going to fall, and then you start wondering if you're going to fall, right? And, uh, and you eventually say, okay, I got to bump this thing back down before there's an accident, and they need to call the paramedics, right? So that's, life has a way of doing that to us, that, he, that as things progress as we get further and further into different disciplines, whether it's work or family or or school or any other thing that we fill our lives with, that it can sometimes feel like it's running us rather than us running it. Amen? So today we're going to talk about sacred stillness. And Psalm 46 verse 10 gives us a very simple and yet uh, profound uh, directive in this idea of being still. It simply says, He says, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
<clears throat> but I, as I read that even, I recognize that it's hard for us to just sit still and listen to that little tiny scripture, isn't it? Like, like here, try this. Sit still. Up, up, up. I, you, all right, let's try it again. <laughs> sit still. Up, yep, see, we can't, so we can't even sit still in, for just that, that very moment, right? And I have to admit to you, it, sometimes it feels like when I read that, it's like, it's like the kid that you know that just can't sit still, that they're just running around all the time, and they're just jumping on things, and they're doing, okay, who am I kidding? I'm that kid, right? Like, I'm an active person. I always want to be busy and doing the things uh, that I'm supposed to be doing. <clears throat> but, but being still is really just that idea of pausing our pace of life and securing sacred space for God to speak. Dallas Willard, great theologian and author, said this in John Ortberg's book, Soul Keeping. Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. In order for us to eliminate hurry from our lives, we have to have perspective and we have to have purpose, right? And so I started thinking about this in, you know, some, some simple imaging like, like a rearview mirror, right? Anybody know what the, what the warning on the rearview mirror says? <laughs> Objects in mirror are losing, right? That's, is that just my car? No? Oh, that's not, is it? Well, I, I say that in jest, in, to be humorous and say, I, some, like, I feel like I'm in a race all the time, even in my car, Right? But the, the actual warning says object and mirror appear larger or closer or closer than they, than, they, than they are, right? See, when we don't take time, when we neglect this idea of stillness before the Lord, the objects in our rearview mirror get bigger. They can feel like they're closing in on us. They can feel like they're, they're more than what they really are. And when we take time to be at still with the Lord... He right-sizes things for us. He reminds us that don't be trying to drive looking through your rearview mirror. He says, look through the front windshield of, of what I'm doing. He reminds us that I am God, and I will be exalted in this earth. Amen? That's what he does. When our posture towards him shifts, when we recognize that no, things aren't closing in. In fact, maybe some of those big things that are in our rearview mirror are still having an effect on our lives but guess what? They're behind us in Jesus' name, right? Those things are behind us, and God is doing something new out in front of us, but it takes us seeing it, stealing our hearts, and cooperating with what he wants to do. Jesus modeled this sacred stillness, didn't he? I mean, we can read in the New Testament all over the place. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says that before daybreak in the next morning, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up. He went out to an isolated place to pray. Luke five sixteen says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And you say, well, Pastor Chad, he's Jesus. He's God. Like, of course he did it. Of course he took time. Of course he did that. But we also know that Jesus invited his followers to experience sacred stillness too, didn't he? Mark chapter 6, verse 31 says, Then Jesus said, Let us go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. In other words, right after they'd fed the 5,000, which is a few fish and loaves, he said, Let's get away. 
let's go get quiet. Let's go create some sacred stillness in our lives. Wendy Wright talks to us about this idea, this concept of attentiveness to God's spirit. Um, And she, she writes this. Attentiveness to God's spirit requires deeply receptive, prayerful listening. Practicing the art of attending to the spirit involves us in contemplative listening. Such listening is quite distinct from the various ways in which we generally listen to another. It's holy listening, rooted in silence. It seeks emptiness in order to be filled with the spirit. It is permeated by humility. Such listening assumes that the Spirit is active among us and He works through us. Amen? So it makes space for that movement. It's a primarily receptive, patient, watchful, and, and waiting. Yet it does not fear action when action is called for. Such listening is generously flexible, hospitable, and warm. It embraces the wildest possible spectrum for God's life and pain. In God's life in beauty and in pain. It acknowledges the creation of all people in the image and the likeness of God. It approaches life as a mystery into which we joyously and generously live. While in one sense a gift, such listening is generally cultivated over the years as we prayerfully attend to the Spirit in our own lives and as others listen to us in the same grace-filled way. So all that to say, sacred stillness is a vital uh, part of the follower of Jesus' life, right? So I want to talk to you about a few of my favorite uh, ways that I cultivate sacred stillness, okay? The first one uh, is securing sacred stillness starts with silence and solitude. Didn't you guys believe that that Melissa did a phenomenal job yesterday? Uh, or sorry, last week, yesterday too, but last Sunday, she talked to us about this idea of being quiet before the Lord and, and, and functioning in, in silence as he speaks, right? And yet I have to admit that even in the silence, I can still hear our culture, our modern society screaming for my attention. Anybody else? Right? See, discerning the voice of God from amongst all of the other voices in our lives requires that we, we, we dial it in to that still, small voice. That we can detect his voice amongst all of the noise that we have in our lives. First Kings 19.12. Most of you guys can quote this, can't you? It says that after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Right? That it's in the gentle whisper that the Lord speaks. That he's not going to fight for prominence in our life. Does that make sense? That, that we make that room and then he does what he does. It's the opposite of our enemy of our soul, right? The enemy of our soul is described in 1 Peter 5 eight as, as uh, the, the enemy, who, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He shouts for our attention. But Psalm 37.7 reminds us to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. We simply need to be still before the Lord. 
So I'm going to, at this point, give you kind of that, you know, that after-school address, that, you know, fair warning. I'm going to probably step on some of our toes, and I'm going to ask permission to do that for a little bit. Can I do that? Because one of my greatest concerns is what we just read that Dallas Willard said, was that the busyness and the hurried pace of our lives can sometimes cause us to blow past the signs and the signals and the, the conversation and the space that God wants to operate in our lives. <clears throat> I'm suggesting, uh, as we go into this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address what I'm calling the diabolical digital age that we live in, right? right? See, oh, I already the groans. Oh, man, here it comes. <laughs> Pastor Chad lecturing us on blah, 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 right? <clears throat> I say that with tongue-in-cheek. I say that... Uh, you know, in jest, knowing that I, amongst all, spent a lot of time on this bad boy right here. Okay, but what I'm suggesting is just like we did a time of prayer and fasting to pray and to seek the Lord's voice and to create that space that we would hunger after the Lord, sometimes we need to do a digital detox from the noises in our life. And, and we're living in an era where this thing calls for my attention in my sleep, Right? You ever had a lunch appointment with somebody and then, you know, out of respect, you turn over your phone so that you can give them your full attention? And then it goes, and they go, and you start to see the cold sweats, start to see that, you know, oh man, oh gosh, there's something going on here, oh gosh. And you you start counting your head, okay, is it going to be 10 seconds before they reach for that phone or is it, are they going to leave it there? And then it buzzes again, and then comes the apology, right? Okay, I'm that guy. I'm the one with the phone that's, I'm on the other side of the table here, right? But I also know that we have, we have a lot that we, that we need to do in life. And so I'm sympathetic with the realities of children and work and school and, 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 right? So you could be saying, oh, but pastor, I just simply don't have the time for stillness. I'm busy, right? Isn't that the catchphrase of our society? Like, you ask somebody today, just do it as an experiment, go to lunch, say, hey, how are you doing? And almost always you'll hear, I'm good, just busy, right? It's become kind of a status symbol. Of, wow, man, I'm just accomplishing so much with my life these days. Um, and then you ask them about it, and they're like, well, you know, work, school, gym, family commitments, binge-watching my favorite series, Instagram, TikToking, scrolling on my phone. Come on, somebody. Are we speaking truth this morning? We are, aren't we? So here's, here's, here's the reality, okay? This is how much this little screen directs some of our steps in life. There's been some recent research that indicates that the average, everybody say average, the average smartphone user scrolls five miles a year. Four inches at a time, y'all. Five, that, that is the equivalent of climbing Mount Everest. Right? Whoop, 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 up. Mount Everest we go. Go, 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 go. There has to be therapy, you know, there has to be like PT for finger injuries now. Thumb injuries, right? How'd you do that? I don't know. My whole hand just seized up, right? So if you, if you started scrolling when you were 11 and you're 24 right now, you scrolled from here to Fort Collins, 70, or, uh, yeah, 70 miles, or, yeah, 70 miles in 13 years. Give yourself a pat on the back, y'all. Good job. That's only, that's only if you're average, though, right? 
<laughs> no one's, no one's going to admit to being average today. Nope. I'm way under that, Pastor. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Me too. Okay, I'm currently reading a fantastic book that's titled uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It does a phenomenal job in helping, helping me both see the areas that maybe I get a little too excited about um, and create paths for getting back out of the black hole of the time suck of our time and our attention that this smartphone can cause. If that's not enough for you to think about, think about it this way. Another study uh, says that the average iPhone user touches their phone. Here, you're going to love this one. 2,617 times a day. A day. Now, that's not just picking it up, sending it. That's, that's opening. That's closing programs. That's like it's like I watch my two, you know, teen daughters. It's a work of art. Like, like they're communicating paragraphs of things. I'm like, mm, show me where that emoji's at, right? Like, they, like it just goes. Two and a half hours a day is the average use of a smartphone in 76 sessions. 76 times that thing calls out and goes, hey, you better check what's on Facebook because it's really important. Somebody's having lunch today, right? And it's probably a salad or they're at the gym, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm having too much fun with this. But in his book, Comer points out a, what is a terrifying trend, if you think about it, of what it's doing to our, our attention span. You know, in the year 2000, they said that, that the average American's attention span was 12 seconds. Like, that means I could concentrate on you for 12 seconds before my eyes divert to something else, before it, it goes somewhere else, right? Today, it's eight seconds. So, so what's the difference? 12 and eight, that's not a bunch, whatever. Well, here's the comparison. A goldfish can hold their attention for nine seconds. <laughs> but the goldfish doesn't have an iPhone, right? <laughs> There's a, there's a phrase that, that's come out with this there's, to describe this. Uh, Microsoft researcher Linda Stone call, said that continual, excuse me, continuous partial attention is the term for this dynamic where we can't give attention to something. It's, she says it's our new normal, right? We call it multitasking. I'm really good at multitasking. Eh, just... Ask my wife how good multitasking works when she's trying to communicate something to me. Right? No, it's continuous partial attention. <clears throat> the reality is we all have to navigate this world that we live in. It's a consumer-oriented, it's speed-of-life society, and we can see even that evidence of the turbocharged pace of life in the way that we set up our church interactions if we're not careful. I call it churchianity as opposed to Christianity, Right? It's, it's this idea that, that if, we can just, if we can just line up the, the, the meetings and the prayer meetings and the this and the that and the studies and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, somehow we'll, like, navigate life without any of the challenges. It doesn't work that way. Rachel Evans described it perfectly when she talked about what it meant for her to be plugged into her last church. She said, it's a carefully constructed set of highly choreographed interconnected systems of relationships, programs, activities, and events. Right? She wrote that in her book, Searching for Sunday. It's really good if you wanted to pick that up. In other words, we can find ourselves running on that treadmill of religiosity and, and really just church busyness with or without Jesus sometimes. We can find ourselves worshiping at the altar 
of I just went to church and I checked off the box, right? Or I did that because of this or that or the other. The reality is that God wants us to experience him in stillness. And that's what all this is about, y'all. Everything else can fall by the wayside. It's about connection with Jesus and living out the life that he has for us. So, one of the ways that we do that, silence and stillness. I hope that we're setting goals to spend time alone with him and spend time in quiet with him, uh, away from all the noise and the pace of life. Second one is keeping the Sabbath, right? Um, now, I know I'm preaching the choir because y'all are in church on a Sunday morning. Give yourself a hand, a round of applause, would you? Come on, not a golf clap. I'm saying a round of applause. You guys are in church, right? Church was designed to be a day of Sabbath for people. And even if you don't realize it, by you showing up today, you've pressed pause on your life. You've taken time to say, I am going to go and I'm going to sit before the Lord. I'm going to still my heart. I'm going to still my life. And I'm going to church to worship, to fellowship, and to grow in my faith. Corey Tenboom, uh, an amazing woman who, you know, who's, uh, who's written multiple books on her experience of helping uh, Jewish people escape, you know, uh, World War II's oppression uh, by the Nazis. <clears throat> she once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Ouch, right? <laughs> There's truth in that. Busyness and sin can have the same effect in our lives. They cut off connection with God, with others, and even with our own soul, or at least we perceive that they do. People are just busy in this in in our day and time and sometimes we're too busy to live spiritually and emotionally vibrant lives amen like can we all be honest say yes lord seems like a good time to just pause and repent and say god you're first that's what this whole season 21 days in prayer fasting is just sit and pause and go god you're first you're my all in all you will be exalted in this earth You'll be exalted in my life, right? We struggle to keep the Sabbath simply because we allow other things to try to tell us what's most important. Church is a spiritual discipline. I don't know that you're aware of that, but when we're here, God is active and he's doing work in us. So it's not just that you get a nice little sticker for coming, another gem in your crown of you know, diadems that Jesus is going to give us you know, when he returns. It's a discipling environment where we learn to receive Jesus and to live and love one another as he does. When we gather together, it's not so much about the songs or even the tweetable phrases that might come up, which feel free to tweet if there's something that that rings your bell. I'll check later. It's not just to learn spiritual stuff. It's not just to read a book. Rather, it's to encounter the living God. To gather, to grow, and to go, that's our missiology. That's the idea is that what we learn, we apply, and what we apply changes the world, right? So, all that to say, let's not be so, become over so over-dependent on church programming that we don't know how to spend time with God in silence, in solitude, and in Sabbath, Okay? So what about other days of the week, the Sabbath, right? Isn't that one of the criticisms of church people? It's like, oh, yeah, y'all go get all excited on Sunday, and then Monday, you're a grouch. I'm not, I'm not pointing at anybody, Mark. Like, really not. 
You just happened to make eye contact with me at the wrong moment. Maybe you guys need to turn the bright lights up on me more so I can't see actual faces. Lord, forgive me. (laughs) Now nobody can see because of the glare on my head, right? So, here's another one that works, that's helpful for me. And I hope helpful for you, okay? Securing sacred stillness uh, can also be a daily office. Now that term, daily office, is something that Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Churches, and spirituality um, introduced to me. And it's, it's based off of St. Benedictine's um, seven times a day with, in his monastery with the monks of taking time to stop, to read, to pray, to connect with God, be reminded that's what this whole world's about. Now, seven times a day, that's a lofty goal. You probably have to be a monk to hit that goal, right? Um, but, but he kind of tied it down into three times a day. Start your day. Take a daily office sometimes during the day, and then end your day being reminded. In the stillness, you are here. In the stillness, you fight for me, Lord. In the stillness, you are exalted. Amen? So it doesn't have to be, go be a monk. (laughs) Can somebody say amen to that? Phew, yeah, I wouldn't be a good monk at all. I'd get in a lot of trouble. Another way to do the daily office is a getaway retreat. To take time specifically to climb up in those beautiful mountains we have right out our back window here. It'd be cool if we had a back window here. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure you could. I could too. I just couldn't patch it up afterwards, Mark. <laughs> but sometimes we can't get away. So we've got to find other ways. I was going to bring today, but I left them on my desk i got a set of noise-canceling headphones. That's what happens when you got young kids in the house and you need to get alone with the Lord, right? You just, they're beautiful. Like, I can have people yelling around me at Starbucks. Put those bad boys on, and it's just me and God, right? You find a way to do it. You find a way. Take a walk. Hide in the bathroom. Sit in your car. Like, this one works, y'all. Sit in your car without the, without the eye music. <laughs> right? Without Apple Play. Like, just silence. And you'll sense God's right there with you. You'll sense he has something to say, and you'll sense that you're in a posture that you can receive that from him. Now, there's all kinds of ranges that we can grow in this. So my encouragement to you is maybe you can't do all of these things, but hopefully they become tools in your daily walk with the Lord. Jonathan Edwards was known... Uh, as one of the, a, a great theologian, you know, wrote a ton of, of great books, um, a pastor. He was known for spending 13 hours a day in his study. And they ended up kicking him out of his own church because he wouldn't go visit parishioners. He'd say, you can come see me, but I'm here for 13 hours a day. Isn't that amazing? 13 hours a day. So, I can't do 13 hours a day, I admit to you right now. Life's busy, can't do 13 hours a day, but I can do more than my minute to win at Apple, or my minute to win at Bible Gateway uh, app, right? So that's the idea, is that we, that we just that we save that time, we, 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 we uh, protect that time, we find ways of expanding that time where God's speaking to us. And just because I'm a good pastor and I wanted to, you know, really impress you today, I took my dog for a walk yesterday. Um, <laughs> You can applaud if you'd like. It's okay. 
No? Nothing? Thank you. Because I wasn't going to move on until you did that. I know you all have places to go. And I say that not because, oh, wow, I'll give him a story, he walks his dog. I, first thing is I, I, I walk the dog for my therapy more than the dog's exercise. I'll put those headphones on. I won't put anything in them. And we have a nice path out on the other side of our neighborhood. And I'll just walk him. And I'll listen. And I'll steal my heart. And I'll be reminded of God's promises. And you know what happens when I do that? I become more aware of God's activity in my life. I become more aware of what he's trying to say. And in fact, yesterday, I think he just did this so that I'd have an illustration for you. But periodically, I'll become so aware of his presence that I'll just stop on that, on that path and still my heart. And in doing so, I become aware of how rapid my breathing is, how fast my heartbeat is. I'll become more appreciative of the wind on my face or the wind in my hair. All right, wind, wind, wind on my face. You can actually appreciate the sunshine of Colorado warming your cheeks in 46-degree weather, right? Lots of ways to find stillness. Lots of ways. Okay, and the last one, the one that we primarily talk about in church, and I'm going to end with that, um, is this idea of Bible study, right? Of studying the scriptures. But studying them to live them and not simply learn them. Amen? You realize that the idea of a disciple in the New Testament meant what we hear, we learn, we practice, we do. It becomes praxis. It's our theology that's lived, right? It's connected to the way that we live our lives. And so I wanted to share with you uh, one of the things that helps me. It's a Lectio Divina. Anybody, have we talked about that recently? Some of us are familiar with it, but I wanted to give everybody this as a tool of something that we can use in our daily walk with the Lord, okay? Stephen Machia of Leadership Transformations wrote a ton of great books on health, you know, healthy churches, healthy disciples, uh, does a monthly newsletter that you can get a hold of called Silencio, and it just helps you think through a passage, okay? So there's five, excuse me, there's six steps to what they call um, Lectio Divina, which is Greek, uh, for sacred reading, okay? So the first is simply this, and I want to do this with you guys in just a minute, but I want to tell you what we're going to do, and then we're going to do it together, okay? So the first is silencio. And here's the thing, if you aren't Greek scholars, uh, neither am I, but what I'm finding is that their Greek words, if you add an N to the end of it, you know, it usually tells you what the word, root word means, right? It's a derivative of. So silencio, it's a period of silencing ourselves before we read the passage, it's just what we've practiced a couple of times today, that quietness, that stealing of ourselves. It's a time of letting go of our personal agendas and surrendering to whatever God wants to do uh, as we experience what we read. Second is lectio, right? Like lecture. It's reading aloud out of our own mouths a short passage of Scripture, and as we read it, we listen for the word or phrase that speaks to us. What is the Spirit drawing my attention to in this passage? Third is the meditatio. Meditation, right? Repeat aloud the word or phrase to which you are drawn. Make connections between it and your life. Uh, what is God saying to you by means of the word or the phrase? Oratio, oration, right? Oratory skills. Now you take those thoughts and you offer them back to him in the form of prayer. Giving thanks, asking for guidance, uh, asking for forgiveness, resting in God's love. What is God leading you to pray? 
Fifth one, contemplio. Con- excuse me. Con- yeah, whatever. It's Greek. <laughs> Contemplation. Right? <laughs> Move from the activity of prayer to the stillness of contemplation. Simply rest in God's presence. Stay open to God. Listen to God. Remain in peace and silence before God. How is God revealing himself to you? Last one is incarnatio. It's the incarnation. It's God's work in it, right? We're acknowledging any ways that God might be transforming us in our inner being and in our outer activities. At the heart of Lectio Divina is this acknowledgement that our relationship with God, the Father, is primarily through a person, the Word, not words written in a book. Amen? Let's take time this morning, just a few minutes, to practice that. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to trust me, and I want you to experience this for yourself, okay? And maybe as you close your eyes, you realize there's a lot going on in your head. Just do your best to, to press pause with that for a little bit. Try to still yourself. Pay attention to your breathing patterns. Maybe slow it a little bit. Take a few deep breaths through your nostrils and exhale completely through your mouth. Feel that? Exodus 14.14 says, The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. First Samuel twelve sixteen says, Now then, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Can you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you to certain words in those phrases? If you have one, would you just shout it out to me? Just go ahead and speak it out loud enough for your own ears to hear. Yeah, that God will fight for me. Yeah, be still. It's good. And now we transition into praying that back. Father, we thank you that you fight for us. We thank you, Lord, that you bring victory, that you accomplish great things, and that what you ask from us is that we would be still before you. Pray, Father, that you would speak to your people, that you would help us to hear your voice, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would empower us. Thank you, Lord, that you do that every day. Help us to stop long enough to listen. Help us to be still. And finally, we acknowledge that we can do nothing in our own strength. Amen? That it's only your spirit that draws us. It's only your spirit that causes us to desire and to hunger after you. And so we ask you to accomplish the great work that you're doing in us. Thank you that you fight for us. Thank you, Lord for the great thing that you're about to do before our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just a, just a quick test. How many of us today are walking, in, walking out of this place with more peace than what we came in with? Right? 
In other words, the objects in a rearview mirror, they're not as big and ugly and tough as we make them. God is good, and he is in control. So, one more quote, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I know we didn't talk about this, but I want to sing Fire Fall Down. Can we do that? Uh, Honoré Nguyen said this about this idea of discipleship. He says, discipleship cannot be realized without discipline. Discipline in, a, in the spiritual life, however, has nothing to do with the discipline of athletics, academic study, or job training in which physical fitness is achieved, new knowledge is acquired, or a new skill is mastered. The discipline of the Christian disciple is not to master anything, but rather to be mastered by the Spirit. True Christian discipline is the human effort to create the space in which the Spirit of Christ can transform us into his image. For most of us, this is hard to spend a useless hour with God. Man, what a, what a powerful phrase, a useless hour with God. <laughs> it is hard precisely because by facing God alone, we also face our own inner chaos. We come in direct confrontation with our restlessness, our anxieties, our resentments, our unresolved tensions, hidden animosities, long-standing frustrations. Our spontaneous reaction to all, of these, to all of this is to run away and to get busy again so that we can at least make ourselves believe that things are not as bad as they seemed in our solitude. Isn't that good? You know, I wanted to end simply by sharing a great case study for this idea of being busy or being present with the Lord. And most of you know the story, so I'm not going to read it. It's out of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And it's two sisters. You guys remember Mary and Martha, right? And they tell of a story where Jesus shows up at a party, and Martha is running around like crazy, just getting food, taking care of everybody, doing what he's needing to do. And Mary sits down at Jesus' feet and begins to listen to him. And about halfway through the party, Martha is upset. She's mad. She said, Jesus, will you tell my sister to get off her duff and get over here and help me with all this stuff? And uh, that's paraphrased, by the way. That's, that's not an actual translation. That's paraphrased by your pastor. And his response to her says a lot to me. Because I admit, I'm built way more like Martha than I am Mary. But I'm learning. <laughs> he said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much about getting and getting worked up over nothing. One thing is essential, and Mary is chosen. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. NIV says it this way, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. As we sing this song, worship with the worship team up here, fire fall down, would you, would you become aware that the God of the universe is who we're worshiping and he's in this place with you today? Would you offer praise to him? You know, that's what that song's about, is God, would you consume the offering that we bring to you? Would you send your Holy Spirit in power and the fire that would fall down and consume our lives? Can we do that, church? Because this is why it's important. It's not just that Mary was the good one in this story and Martha was the busy one. But you guys know who their brother was, right? Lazarus? You guys remember the story, Lazarus come forth? They received their miracle four days after they thought it should come. And if you read that story, I wish we had time Please go do that as part of your, your time with God this, this week. 
is what it spoke to me is simply this, that because they tuned their ears to the frequency that God was speaking to them, even though they thought Jesus was late because four days earlier their brother had died, right? And then there was that whole period of them going, God, you're late. Like, where were you? Like, can you imagine talking to God like that? Yeah, because I do it. (laughs) It's like, okay, it's getting late, Lord. Four days in the ground. Come on, right? And so what does he ask her? Do you believe? And they say, yeah, we believe. But it's almost like in that time period of being disappointed and him not showing up when they thought he was going to, she resigns herself to what we do so often and so easily to say, yeah, God, when you return, things will be good. Can I tell you that God occupies all of this space? And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And I have that life today, not just in the future. Let's worship. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your, uh, your work in our hearts and our lives today. And as we sing this song, we sing it as those who have been transformed by the resurrection and the life of who you are. Help us, Lord, to practice stillness. Help us to practice being still before you in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, that's the confession of our heart today. There's no place that we'd rather be than sitting here being still before you, knowing that you are the God who raises the dead. You are the God who has risen from the dead. Father, I know that as we sit here today, some of us have dreams, we have visions, we have hopes and desires for ourselves, for our family, for our church, for this world that can sometimes feel like maybe it's four days in the grave. We acknowledge before you that you do great things. We acknowledge that you are going to be exalted in this world. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege that it is to exalt you of our own free will because of what you have done in us. Thank you, Lord, that you are still drawing us and you are drawing others to you. Help us, Lord, to partner in that. Help us, Lord, to rest in you, to discover that true peace that only comes from being with you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Chad, you know, I came today, but I, I don't know that I know that I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior today. I don't know that I've ever invited him into my life, and I want that. I want the sacred stillness that you're talking about. I'd like to pray a prayer with you if that's your first time. Uh, But it's a prayer that we pray as a community every week here at North Rock because it's the reminder of who he is in our lives. It's part of our posture of stillness before him. So church, let's remind ourselves of who he is in our lives and who he is in this world. And let's welcome those who are making that decision for the first time by praying with them in community. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin And you rose from the grave three days later. I receive forgiveness for every failure and sin in my life. And give to you the right to direct my life from this day forward. I dedicate myself to learning the scripture. Living in fellowship with God's people. And following you in water baptism. In Jesus name we pray and we trust Amen, 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 amen. Hey, if God's done something in your heart, can you give him an applause? Thank you, Lord. You are good. And you are with us. Amen. And hey, if you need prayer for anything in your life, we have people available for that. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for being here at North Rock. 
Thanks for listening to the North Rock Church Podcast. For more information about our church and upcoming events, check us out at northrockchurch.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram.